Welcome to Happened Here. People, places, and the stories they tell. I'm Stephen Fry, host of this episode, Three Market Characters. Covent Garden's iconic fruit and vegetable market evolved over nearly 400 years. Do you remember Eliza Doolittle, the fictional flower girl turned lady in Pygmalion and My Fair Lady? Well, she has many forebears. In this episode, we imagine some of their stories. A costermonger, a fruit and veg seller in Restoration England, a Georgian strawberry girl. And we find out why the Victorian market is full of muscly Irish women. You may think Covid was bad, but back in 1665, London was in the throes of its worst plague since the medieval Black Death. 68 to 100,000 people in London died out of a population of only 460,000. In our first story, a young boy encounters a nasty sight. Without further ado, let's begin. Covent Garden Piazza, Corpses and Cucumbers Written by Joanna Clark, performed by Cassius Conney Billy isn't prepared for the pile of corpses. Sitting by his father, Tom, nine-year-old Billy tries not to look back at the bodies being slung into their cart. They're at Aldersgate, taking dead plague victims on board. Billy sees blackened fingers and great lumps sticking out of people's necks and legs. He smells decomposing flesh. He struggles to keep down his vomit. Billy has gone with his dad from their market garden in the Lee Valley to sell salad crops in the city of London since he was five. In the last month, the plagues got out of control and he hasn't been allowed to come. But he badgered his dad to get back to their routine. And now he wishes he hadn't. Tom looks at his son's stricken face. Oh, Billy, I said you shouldn't have come. Oh, I, I can't do this anymore either. It's not worth it. Never mind the docket. In the summer of 1665, Tom is one of a few market gardeners still allowed within the city of London's walls during the Great Plague. The grim condition of their continuing to trade, however, is that as they leave, they must fill their cart with the dead and carry them 14 miles north to a pest house by the village of Chesant. The city itself simply cannot cope with this many bodies needing burial. Next morning, Tom finally decides to try a new informal market outside the city walls a few miles to the west, a recently built piazza called Covent Garden, presided over by the Duke of Bedford. Ten years earlier in 1656, while the Duke had been off fighting in the Civil War, a small group of traders had erected makeshift wooden stalls in the piazza, right outside his garden wall. Tom sets up his new pitch, and Billy takes a look round what might be their new patch. Less fearful of catching the plague in the spacious modern square, here customers are aplenty. So too is produce. Wheelbarrows stacked high with cabbages, carrots, onions, leeks and herbs. Baskets filled with apples, pears, cherries and strawberries. 
The opening up of trade routes and the proximity of the Thames has also brought international goods to the market. One man is selling peaches, but Billy steers well clear. He knows better than to eat a kill Frenchman. He is not the only one suspicious of the new fruit and vegetables now available. Pepys, for example, notes in his diary in August 1663 that Mr. Newborn is dead of eating cucumbers. Billy looks around at the posh buildings and messy market. He's heard his dad Tom say that only the very wealthy used to live in this piazza. But with the market expanding, they've been leaving in droves. This exodus of the aristocracy will continue into the 18th century, paired as it is with the increased influx of market gardeners and theatres, brothels and coffee houses. In 1670, Covent Garden will be granted a royal charter, officially allowing a market to be held there every day except Sundays for the buying and selling of all manner of fruit, flowers, roots and herbs. No dead bodies here, Billy. This Covent Garden looks like the place for us. Help me unload. This is our spot now. By the 18th century, the fruit and veg market is booming, but in a much seedier square. Coffee houses and brothels surround the ever-expanding, increasingly chaotic fruit and veg market. Market gardeners around London employ women to carry fresh produce to market, an exhausting and demanding living. But a living. Covent Garden Piazza. Cleaning Strawberries. Written by Joanna Clark. Performed by Lulu Freeman. After a nine-mile walk through the night from Brentford, a rural parish west of London, at a very brisk pace indeed, in the company of nearly a hundred other young women. The sun is just rising as Hannah Thomas approaches Covent Garden. A wicker basket nearly a metre across containing dozens of strawberry pottles is perched on her head. It is summer, 1779, and the air is humid despite the early hour. Her neck and shoulders strain under the weight of 50 pounds, nearly 23 kilograms of red fruit, and her feet ache beneath her. She waves, good luck, to the other strawberry girls heading to other markets or street corners and peels off into Covent Garden and the familiar cries of vendors hawking their wares. Harry Chalks, ripe asparagus, cherry ripe! Strawberries, scarlet strawberries. Strawberries. Hannah grits her teeth. Competition already. She looks around. Hmm. At least she's here before the rival posse of girls from Fulham. Lazy lot. She snakes her way round peddlers and costermongers, all piling their produce high. Nowadays, not only fruit and vegetables are on offer, but all sorts. Tin, pottery, haberdashery, alcohol. Indeed, the market keeps expanding. Much to the consternation of local residents, they had complained to the owner of the piazza, the Duke of Bedford, some 30 years earlier, that the stench and filth of the market, the offensive smoke of the chimneys, of the sheds, the disturbances, the great number of profligate and disorderly people, 
could never be intended by your grace to be permitted in a herb market such as Covent Garden Market originally was. Yet, thirty years on, Hannah threads her way through ever more hectic chaos, replete with odours of horse dung and rotting vegetables. She slips past carts and makeshift stores, wedged in between more official brick shop fronts, aiming for her favourite pitch a small patch of empty gravel near the stone column that marks the centre of the square. She likes it there, away from the shadowy arcades that edge the square. She knows that come nightfall, market traders and their customers will be replaced by an equally rowdy crowd of a different kind. Drunken gentlemen stumbling out of the brothels and celebrated wits and writers flocking to the coffee houses. Those coffee houses had the recently executed Captain James Hackman spent his final hours at the Bedford before shooting dead a young woman in a crime of passion. Right there, Hannah shivers, eyeing the coffee establishment's door in a corner of the piazza. Thankfully, she will be long gone by dark. A fellow strawberry seller catches her eye. Lifting her fruit from her filthy wheelbarrow, the other woman proceeds to clean her dusty fruit with her own spittle. Gently lowering her basket to the ground, Hannah opens it and examines her own berries in their wicker cones, pottles, after that nine-mile journey. They were covered, so not dusty, but they're slightly bruised and slightly pale. They aren't quite what the fancy West End outlets are after, but Hannah is experienced in the art of hawking and will get them sold. After all, she's been doing it since she was a girl. And she has to get in a second trip today to pocket those nine shillings. She'd better get cracking. Strawberries! Scarlet strawberries! You try walking the nine miles from Brentford to Covent Garden and back twice in a day, every day for weeks on end. A demanding living indeed. In Victorian London, another of the market's notorious female inhabitants, the Irish Portress, arrived. Women who had fled potato famines in their homeland competed with male porters and seemed to thrive on the heavy work. Covent Garden to Elephanton Castle, London. Oi, you, Jollocks! Written by Joanna Clark, performed by Stephen Fry. Sweat trickles down Mary Byrne's neck as she ploughs forward, refusing to let the massive load of flesh she is carrying on her back slow her progress. A half-mile into her journey from Covent Garden, she arrives at Waterloo Bridge, where it has been agreed she is to have a glass of gin and her first shilling. After a brief and expletive-laden argument with the toll-keeper, she agrees to pay a penny for her cargo and crosses the Thames. Making her way south, she arrives at the next toll by the Coburg Theatre, when said cargo, which turns out to be a very much alive, unwieldy gentleman, 
thrusts his legs out of the basket on her back, causing her to stagger off balance. She's not going to make it. Nah, she's a bricky girl. She'll get there. Oi, you, Jollocks! If you don't stay still, I'll throw you in a ditch! Mary yells to her passenger, much to the amusement of the concourse of persons that has been following her journey. Suitably chastened, the cargo stops moving at once. Mary takes a deep breath, adjusts the very large basket, and walks on. On Saturday, September the 27th, 1837, the town, a gossipy London newspaper, enthusiastically reported the story of an Irish porteress who had been wagered to carry a great fat man from Covent Garden to Elephanton Castle in under 25 minutes, a distance of just under two miles. Mary is an Irish basketwoman, a racy brogue, of sturdy form, one of hundreds of portresses in Covent Garden's flower and vegetable market who work carrying heavy loads, often weighing a hundredweight, fifty kilograms or more. Notorious for their foul mouths and high tolerance for alcohol, they mingle and compete with their male counterparts and costermongers. Activist Henry Mayhew, in his survey of the London poor, wrote of the Irish basketwoman, With coarse shawls crossing their bosoms, they sit on their porter's knots, chatting in Irish and smoking short pipes. Every passer-by is hailed with the cry of, Want a basket, Your Honour? Mary worked, had made her bet, and had set off from that tangle of commerce, the piazza at Covent Garden. She began by picking her way through the chaos described by Charles Dickens thus. Covent Garden Market, thronged with carts of all sorts. The pavement is strewed with decayed cabbage leaves, broken hay bands, and all the indescribable litter of a vegetable market. Men are shouting, carts are backing, horses are neighing, boys fighting. After negotiating this mayhem, Mary steps up the clipping pace. She's not a small woman and accustomed to walking with the heaviest of loads. It would take you or me 35 minutes or more to do the distance, but these Irish porteresses work a piece rate for their carrying services. Time is money, so they're used to speeding about, nipping and tucking around other pedestrians, avoiding dawdling children, dodging stray cats and animal dung and all the other hazards of the Victorian street. As reported by the town, Mary won her bet with time to spare and not only pocketed her shillings winnings triumphantly, but received a flurry of presents from the large crowd that had formed to see her. A fat man in a basket is a welcome change from carrying cabbages. Rather her than me. Four characters, three centuries. Happened here. People, places, and the stories they tell. Hi, I'm Cassius, and I read the story about the origins of Covent Garden as a market in the 17th century. 
It goes without saying, the opportunity to sell exotic produce is far better than having to transport dead, disease-ridden bodies around London, but it certainly makes for a great story. We'd love you to check out our website at happenedhere.com for more Happened Here content. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, tell your friends, and leave us a kind review and a rating on your podcast platform of choice. But for now... Everybody involved in Happened Here, the writers, the hosts, the performers, thank you for listening. Do come again. We've got lots more stories to tell. Happened Here